HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Agave Road Trip is brought to you by FlaskFineWines.com. FlaskFineWines.com sells snow leopards. You want a snow leopard or just want to know what one is? Stick around after this episode to find out. And now, strap yourself in for another episode of Agave Road Trip. I am Lou Bank. I am Chava Periwan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And today, Chava. <laughs> today what, Lou? What, what, today what? I wish to talk about pechuga. Pechuga. Uh, pechuga. What, is, what is pechuga, Lou? Can you describe pechuga to our audience? Because a lot of people will think we're just talking about chicken or something. Well, you know, it, uh, there's a legal definition of pechuga. If you look at the gnome... The gnome being the document that was um, uh, put together by the Mexican government that defines exactly what mezcal is, right? They've got a uh, a pachuga. De- Actually, is it a pachuga destination? You know, I'm going to take that back. I don't think there no. is it. It's just no. distilled with. Yes, it's just distilled with something that infuses the flavor of the agave. Oh, that's really interesting. So, okay, so so in theory, then what a pachuga is is. Is a mezcal or an agave spirit that's distilled with something else in the still, right? And the, the traditional, the traditional pachuga, I shouldn't say traditional, but what, what people tend to think of as pachuga is you've taken this espadine that's been distilled twice. You throw it back into the still and it's like 50, 55% ABV, right? Mm-hmm. You put it back in the still and then you throw in with it a bunch of different fruits. You've got some apple, you've got some plum, you've got some banana, you got some pineapple, and then you throw in some spices. Here's some cinnamon. You throw in some nuts. Here's some almonds and then some rice. And then you put in a chicken breast, a raw chicken breast, and you distill it again. Yes. And whatever comes out of it. Does it look different than your typical mezcal? Does it does it get another color? Like that? It shouldn't. No, right? It it shouldn't. It shouldn't because it's you know when you distill the stuff coming as a vapor, it's still leaving the still as a vapor, and so the vapor isn't going to carry any of the color with it, right? Yeah, I just I, I mean like the pechugas that I've had, they tend to be more oily. Has that been the case for you? Yeah, I like, like they tend to have like a rounder 
body. You know, I don't know if I'm kidding myself or not, but when I, when I, just my Jewish heritage, uh, when I do serve these to people, I like to talk about the schmaltz, a little bit of the schmaltz that comes out of the still. <laughs> you know the schmaltz? Uh, I have no idea what a schmaltz is. What is that? Schmaltz, schmaltz is both chicken fat uh-huh. and it's like corniness, if you will. It means both things. I don't know how chicken fat relates to corniness, but uh, you know, there you go. The schmaltz. Wow. Okay. So you you find that flavor profile in your pechuga? No, I actually don't find the flavor oh, okay. profile. I, I I the texture. You know, it does tend to be oily to me, but I think that's more in my head. You know, I there's there's a I've got a pechuga that was distilled with iguana, and to me it tastes like iguana, but it tastes like iguana because it tastes like that dark green color of an iguana. Okay, so I, I guess then the obvious question is: Do people like this? Is this like a very well appreciated thing in the mezcal context? Or is this something? Oh, you know, like I, th- I'd, I'd ask you that question just as well, because like certainly in here in the USA, uh, people go crazy for their pechugas, and and it and it drives me a little bit nuts that they do so. And I'm wondering now, as you ask me the question, what's the view in Mexico of pechugas? Well, a few months ago, just before the pandemic started, uh, I, I had the chance to go to Mesonte. And if people don't know this, Mesonte is probably the place, the best place to get your agave spirits if you happen to be in Guadalajara. It's the best place to get your agave. Like, I I think it's the, and I've said this in other episodes, and I, there's an episode where we interview Pedro, and I say it, I think, to him. <laughs> it is my favorite place, aside from my basement, to drink agave spirits. Well, so it, it is it is definitely a great place to be. I, I was there and I arrived there very early, like something like 5 p.m. or something. And I was chatting with a girl. I can't remember her name. She's amazing, very knowledgeable. And this group of uh, Fresa Mexicans came in. If you understand what Fresa Mexican is, it's just like a posh kid. Uh, they, they, a strawberry kid. Yeah, they. The joke is they talk like if they had marbles inside their mouth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so imagine that accent. Uh, extremely annoying. So anyway, this girl comes into the bar with a guy and anything, and uh, the girl that that the takes care of my son to asks them, "So do you know anything about mezcals? Do you have something that you like? Have you experienced stuff?" And they both look at her, getting their most most knowledgeable look, and tell her, "We know everything about mezcal. We love pechuga. <laughs> <laughs> Which pechugas do you have?" So. That's my experience about pechuga in Mexico. It seems like if someone wants to feel that they know it all, they'll ask for a pechuga. That's funny. So, you know, it it, it brings to mind the two reasons why pechugas frustrate me. And I'm saying this as a guy who's got dozens of pechuga examples, right? But, you know, it frustrates me for two reasons. Number one, when you talk to mezcal geeks in the U.S. uh, about barrel-aged uh, mezcal about agave spirits aged in wood they'll 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 say that that's a horrible thing to do to a beautiful agave spirit and, and frankly i was one of those people uh years ago that that if you've got this agave that took uh, 10 years to reach maturity and it was it was handcrafted and, and tended by uh, a single mescalero who has been doing it for five generations his family's been doing it for five generations you want to taste the agave and once you put it into wood it tastes like wood Right. And, and that's, that's, that's not okay. It should taste like the agave. Like, okay, I get that. But once you throw a bunch of fruit into the still, it's not going to taste like the agave. It's going to taste like the fruit. Yeah. 
So that's that's your frustration with it. That you're not. It's one frustration. Oh, that's the first one. Oh lord, it's the first one. I've got. We only have more five minutes. Okay, go for the second one. Oh my! <laughs> I only have two frustrations, so we should be able to do it. So the second frustration is, you know, people spend so much money on these pachugas, and all it generally is not all the time, but all it generally is is a an espadine with like. $10 worth of chicken and fruit thrown into the still with it. And now you're going to pay three to four times the price for that bottle that you would have paid for the Espadine. So I, I do have a theory about it. Do you think that it is, I think people are very comfortable spending a lot of money in gin. Uh, you know, like a gin cocktail can go for a lot of money and there's like forums dedicated to gin and whatnot. Do you think just people find in Pechuga something that somehow resembles gin and it's within the same category of value and therefore they feel more comfortable throwing their some like big bucks? Well, I'm I'm not going to speculate on uh, how the people of Mexico view the Pechuga and why they would spend extra on it. But I will tell you that here in the USA, I think it is strictly and solely because that's how Del Maguey marketed Pachuga. They were the first ones to bring a Pachuga to market in the USA. And, you know, they had their general line, which my recollection is um, most of the bottles were $65 each. And then the Tobala uh, went up to $120. And then the Pachuga was like $180. And so you know, I, I think how we view a product oftentimes um, uh, is it, we, how we view it is through the the lens of the price. Yeah, but well, and, okay, sorry, keep on or uh, no? no, no yeah, if, if it costs more, it must be better. And so I, I think Pachuga, because that's how Del Maguey started to market it, but that's the reputation that Pachuga had. It must be better because it costs more. Well, and maybe the argument is like you maybe needed someone with more expertise to make a Pachuga. Do you think that could be a fair assessment? That probably, I, you know, you can have any Maestro Mescalero make a typical Espadín, but you maybe needed someone with a certain type of experience to pull off the Pachuga and make it tasty? I actually kind of think the opposite, <laughs> right? I mean, you and I had a discussion uh, on one of our drives about the origins of Pachuga. And, you know, I nobody really knows what the origins are, but your suggestion of, of the theory as to where it came from, I thought, was was hilarious and on the mark, which is, you know, some mescalero's mother was tasting the Espadine and thought, oh, this is kind of boring. I can add something and make it better. And she just started throwing fruit into the still. I, I, I don't, I, and, and I'm saying this as somebody who's never attempted to make pachuga, but I would imagine you can mask a lot of flaws in a poorly made mezcal by then throwing it back into the still and adding a bunch of fruit so that it tastes like fruit. Yeah, but I also think that Mexico has such a long and vast tradition of throwing fruits and flavors into alcohol. Starting with pulque, you have curados. Right, so you'll have you'll throw all sorts of oh, things oh, into oh. it, like mango, sapote, you name it, and then you have mistela, which is posh with other fruits. So maybe it's just to give it a little bit more shine, you know, like for the quinceañera party, just to make it like really stand out. You know, it's funny. Like when I think of and maybe this is maybe this is me being a cynic. But when I think of curados on the pulque, I think, oh, yeah, my pulque is going bad. I'm going to add some fruit. And that's not a misjudgment on your side. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so I, I, I you know, I, maybe this is a ritual that uh, that goes back 
you know, years before anybody was documenting it. It really has this important tradition that I'm just like, I'm, I'm being uh, flippant about. And I, you know, I don't mean to be, but I, I just, I, I just cannot get as excited about Pachuga now as I did when I first started drinking agave. But, but wait, wait, wait. There's something about Pachuga that you do love. And I saw you buying this from both Felix and, um, uh, another guys, which are the fruits <laughs> and the honey that comes out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's real. Oh, that, yeah. And that's really mind blowing. Like, and I don't know why well, nobody's selling that. Right. You know, I, so, so when you've thrown the fruits and stuff into that still, of course, at the end of the day, you've got the, the, the pachuga that comes out of the end of the still, but then all of those fruits that have been basically turned into compote within the still, I think are just delicious. Um, yeah. And I've, I ended up. I brought some back for uh, for my friend who's a chef or was a chef um, at Alinea uh, here in Chicago. He ended up asking me to bring another seventy seven pounds in so they could make this dish with it, and uh, it was that delicious. And then the guys at Dark Matter Coffee, <laughs> we were down there tasting stuff. We saw this giant jug at Lalo's place, and I, I like I thought it was motor oil, and it turned out it was what he called the miel de pachuga, right? The the honey of the pachuga, mm -hmm. the the liquid that's left in the still afterwards, which. It's just this this beautiful syrup that can be used to make, it turns out, as my friends at uh, Dark Matter showed me, to make this beautiful latte. Latte. They're making, la okay, now now Pechua has won me again. Like, I, 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 I wouldn't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, th I think the big lesson with this is maybe the spirit itself is not the interesting part of the Pechua. Maybe. Oh, I, I think the spirit can be beautiful and interesting as well. It just frustrates me that we pay three times as much for it. And it frustrates me that the same people who love Pachuga will will um, will look down upon uh, wood-aged agave spirits. Wait, wait, wait. But I thought you wanted more money to come to rural Mexico. So this is the perfect case. People are investing less in making this spirit and getting more money back. You Maybe know what? sacred your I NGO. Wow. Okay. Yes. You know what? I think everybody should drink more pachuga. I'm with you now. That's actually an excellent point. Okay. So we need to wrap this up. And the conclusion is, everybody, if you want to buy agave spirits and you want more money to go to Mexico... Maybe Pachuga is the way to go. Maybe Pachuga. Okay, road trippers. We'll catch you next episode. Thank you very much, Chava. Adios. Hang on, road trippers. We're not done yet. We've got an episode of Chava and Lou's Chat Fest coming up. Hey, Chava, do you, do you know what collectors call something really rare, something that's super hard to find? A unicorn? Yeah, yeah, a unicorn. And that makes no sense. Really? Why? Because like unicorns are easy to find in like any suit? <laughs> Did you say in any suit? <laughs> in any suit or store? I don't know. Are they easy to find? I, I just didn't well, know Well, you know, unicorns are easy to find maybe in toy stores. Unicorns don't exist, Chava. Snow leopards. Now, snow leopards are real, but you never see them. Why are you getting out, Lou? You're getting me nervous. Yeah, that's right. It's an ad. We're talking about snow leopards and unicorns. Well, here's the thing, Chava. If you're a whiskey collector, like a serious whiskey collector, you've probably heard Red Hook Rye referred to as a unicorn. But then it's a snow leopard, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a snow leopard. It does exist. And you can get a bottle right now from flaskfinewines.com.
But what exactly is it? Well, several years ago, I visited the Bourbon Trail in Kentucky, and my favorite distillery far and away is Willits, and their rye is my favorite rye. This Red Hook rye is apparently something Willits distilled in 1984 and left in barrels for 23 or 24 wow. years. Yet, right? <laughs> Linnell's Limited bought the four barrels and then made 852 bottles of them in 2008. Okay, you're really blowing my mind. And flaskfinewines.com has one? They do at least one. They do. What so, so, what are you doing, Luke? Get your credit card. It's it's like it's a penny shy of thirty grand, Chava. That's why I said your credit card, not your debit card. Don't be cheap. <laughs> <laughs> cheap is my is my natural uh, is my natural state, Chava. Okay, but someone who isn't cheap, who is a right collector, could get this from flaskfinewines.com, right? They could, Chava, and they could do it right now. And anyone who is a serious collector of vintage spirits is bound to find something in the selection at flaskfinewines.com that they'll want. Flaskfinewines.com offers nationwide shipping of fine wines and spirits within the USA, and they're a sponsor of Agave Road Trip. Muchas gracias. Flaskfinewines.com. This is Chava and Lou's Chass Fest. Gonna chat you up, baby. Chat you three solid minutes about things you love chatting about. And today, Chava, we're gonna chat about hugging your feet. Okay. Like, if you're... Like, A, I know this is gonna be obscene, and I apologize. I am terrified. You can tell because I got so excited. Yeah, yeah. Because like, like, I, I just started laughing and I got excited. When you ever see that smile on your face, Lou, I know that I made a huge mistake by suggesting something. <laughs> right. So, okay. So the last chat fest, the previous chat fest, you talked about uh, Valentino's shoes and how it feels like they're hugging your feet. And my head immediately went back to the uh, the the period uh, the very short period in my life when I was actually in college, University of Iowa. True Wicks. Go Hawkeyes. It was, well, it was a year and a half. Well, I was there a year and a half. I think I actually was only in school for that first year and then the summer. I'm pretty sure that's accurate. Um, but during that period, I had a whole bunch of different jobs. One of the jobs I held um, was working uh, at, as, at, this, um, at this burger joint called the Burger Pickle. I think it was called the Burger Pickle. My friend Bruce tells me I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure it was called the Burger Pickle. <laughs> and and I was working the flat top grill, and it was mainly just college students working there, but there was one old guy, and I'm saying old. I'm guessing he was 30, 31 years old. <laughs> My age. <laughs> um, right, but he seemed so old at that time. I was like 18 years old, right? And he was weird. Like, he was seriously weird. And there like what? Yeah, like uh, yeah, like like describe how he was being weird because for for young Lou to call someone weird, that's weird. Even for old Lou, like like so. Here's the thing, and maybe like there's just he's a white guy who who acted in a weird way. Like we're expected to do things in a certain way, and he didn't. And like it was little little things that always sounded creepy coming out of him, like stuff, right? And there was one of the, one of the gals working with us. She was cute, and her boyfriend. Uh, she worked the front, and her boyfriend worked the back, cooking with me. Right, and he was like, he was a big guy. He was like a tough, brawny guy. But this this creepy, weird thirty year old guy um, oh, no. was always flirting with her, 
and kept talking about her feet. So when I say <laughs> weird, right? You knew this was coming. I knew. You said I knew, hug I feet, knew, I right? Said. You knew. And and so we'd get paid every two weeks, and and he made a deal with her that he would give her a hundred dollars if he could just see her naked feet. And <laughs> again, he's weird. But I remember this being like it, it was something we all knew about. It wasn't this this quiet. Hey, I'm gonna do like it, like it was something. Everybody who worked at the Burger Pickle, there had to have been a dozen of us. Every one of us knew this was happening, and the deal was it was kind of like that um, that that what's that movie, Indecent Proposal, where Robert Redford wants to pay like a million dollars to Woody Harrelson so that uh, he can he can have sex with his wife, who was played by that actress who was part of the Brat Pack, whose name I'm not remembering. I have no but idea. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not a movie you know, but um, like. It was that, except it was $100, and all he wanted was to look at her feet. But all the details were laid out. Okay, you can look at the feet. It's going to last for 60 seconds. You are not allowed to touch the feet or touch yourself. And the the big football player boyfriend is going to be there at all times to enforce these rules. Whoa. I, I know. Wait, wait, wait. And did, did you get a deal for 10 bucks? Like what was she like the best paid one in the in the deal making and the burger pickle? And then did the guy approach wait, wait, wait. you? I like there was I wasn't in this deal at all. He didn't want to see my feet. Yeah, but maybe he he didn't have a hundred dollars that day and he was like, Well, I'll set it I'll settle down for ten dollars no, no, for a loose was, feet. No, no, it was <laughs> <laughs> No, it was set very specifically on the day that the paychecks came in. Okay, like I, I think you missed a big business opportunity there, Lou. Oh, that that from somebody who clearly has never seen my feet. Yeah, and I do not want to see your feet at all. And do not describe it to the audience. <laughs> and we're gonna cut this up right now. Thank you for listening. No more obscene <laughs> stories about feet. Adios. <laughs> we chatted you solid for three minutes. Adios. Six minutes. Adios. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.